Welcome to the Relationship Visionary Podcast. In this podcast, I will question anything and everything you have ever learned about relationships. So if you have very traditional views on relationships and you want to keep them, now is the time for you to turn off. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Relationship Visionary Podcast. Today, I want to talk about self-worth. And I have to say right at the beginning that this is a huge topic. I'm a bit nervous. I could probably do a whole course with several modules on this. Then I'm going to try and sum up the most important points and still give you some tools at the end that you can work with now, even though this topic is really, really big and very complex, actually. But the reason why I've decided to make an episode on that is that I have received an email or an Instagram message, actually, from a listener, which I loved. And she asked me to yeah, do an episode on this topic. And I thought, yes, that is a great idea. I love it. And I'm going to do my best to break it down into the most important parts that I think you will need to understand it. and possibly make some progress on your journey to feeling more worthy. And the cool thing is that this lovely listener was actually okay with me reading her email or her, her message. And that's what I want to do to introduce this topic. So she writes, I have been doing a lot of work over the years on feeling trust in myself and realizing my self-worth in order to not feel so jealous in my marriage. I would love to hear a podcast from you on how to really create and realize self-worth and a feeling of safety within myself. I truly believe that a lot of my jealous feelings have come from my own insecurity and the feeling that I can't live without my husband. I've come far, but still have work to do but have seen a great improvement in my 25-year marriage. My husband had an affair seven years ago, and I will never forget the feeling of pain, but what surprised me was the feeling of fear. Fear of being alone and having to survive on my own. Any tools to feel safe and secure and worthy within myself would be appreciated. Well, this email, I would say, contains two different topics. So the way that I see it, it is about feeling secure, safe and secure in yourself. But it also feels, it also is about feeling a sense of self-worth. And I have decided to look at them separately, even though they can be related, but they don't have to be related. And so I want to make it, of course, since this is a podcast, I want to make it in a way that is useful for most people who are listening to this, right? And some people may not have the combination of it. Some people may have only, um, maybe only struggling with their self-worth. Some people may only be feeling fear of loss or like this fear of not being, being safe and secure in case they lost the other person. And some people may have a combination of both. So I've decided to make two episodes. And today I will be focusing on the self-worth part. And then the next time we're going to talk about fear of loss or this feeling that we need this other person to be safe and secure. So as I said at the beginning, 
self-worth is a super complex topic. And there's not one answer to the question, why does someone feel low self-worth and how can I feel more worthy, right? This is what the, the the listener, the person who wrote the email asked me to give them tools. And I will, I will give you some tools. I will give you some, some things to do, but there's no, there's really no one answer to one size fits all answer to, okay, do this, do this, do this. And then you'll feel more worthy. The reason for that is that everybody's experience of low self-worth is actually very different. Maybe I have to rephrase that. It's it, The experience itself may be very similar, but the the root, the causes for why the person feels that way um, are very individual. And if we really want a solution, like not just a, a Band-Aid on the wound, and some managing of symptoms, if we really want a solution and we really want to transform within ourselves this the sense of self-worth that we have, then we have to get to the root. So I've decided to talk a little bit about that today, about why we even feel low self-worth. Like, how does that even happen? I'm going to share with you everything that I've learned so far on my journey and in my work with my clients. And as usual, that is most likely going to be different from what you've heard in other places. I'm assuming, maybe not. This may not be complete or it's 100% not complete because there, as I said, I could make a whole course on this and talk for hours and hours about this. So things may be missing or may may not have addressed every single thing that could be could be considered or that could be the case for somebody. So in case you're listening to this and you're like, I do struggle with self-worth, but none of these things resonated with me. I would still invite you to try and do the the things that I'm going to suggest at the end to, to get to the bottom of this, because it's, as I said, like everybody's experience is very, very individual. And so, yeah, I'm going to talk about the most common ones. I'm going to talk about... I'm going to try and sum up from what I've seen the most common the most common aspects of this of this huge large topic. The first thing we really need to understand about self-worth is that it's nothing we need to learn or build but that it's actually an a natural innate thing human who develops normally will have but that gets masked by layers of survival responses so low low self-worth is not something that you just have or like some people don't just are just born without a sense of self-worth or with less self-worth and they just have to learn how to build it no it's it's actually that our true self is being masked by our nervous system because that feels safer. And the result of that is the sense of self-worth. And don't worry if you don't understand that quite yet. I'm going to get to how that makes sense. Like I'm going to explain a little more later in this episode how how that makes sense, how, how it actually feels safer to have low self-worth. So as I said, at first, we need to understand what self-worth is or how 
feelings of low self-worth come into existence? And I want to start right at the beginning, which is when we're born. So I want you to imagine a baby. And I want you to imagine that baby just coming into the world completely helpless, but being its true self. It's just being who it is, right? That's all it knows. It's born and it's being who it is. And when we're babies, like we don't understand anything. We don't understand anything about the world. We just can't come into this world. We have no idea, no, no clue who we are, who anyone else is. We have no clue how things work. We just know that we exist. Or maybe we don't even know that consciously, but we're there and we have needs, right? We need to be fed. We need, we are hungry. We, we, we want to feel safe, these kinds of things. So that's all we know. And so from the very beginning, we learn to adapt to the world to be safe and to be fed, which in the, in the end is some sort of being safe, right? We need food in order to survive. And one thing that keeps us safe in the world is the love of our caregivers because we are helpless little worms. Like we can't do anything. We can't feed ourselves. We can't run away when danger comes. Like we need somebody to take care of us. So naturally we will have to trust our caregivers and we have, we will have to make sure that they love us. We will need them to love us because if they don't like us, I mean, I don't know if you've, if you have children, but sometimes it can be really, really annoying and stressful to take care of a baby. So the baby depends on you loving it. Because if you didn't love it, you probably not take care of it. And of course, yeah, now in our world, we have all these laws and people get punished for not taking care of their babies. But I'm talking about our nature, right? And in a nature, there, there's no law. So the baby really needs the parents to love them. And it stays like that, even as we grow up, like it takes us a while until we become independent and we don't need our parents anymore. So so we're always kind of like interested in and interested is a very mild word. Like we 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 desperately need to be sure that our caregivers love us and that they want us around. And this is how we we start building a sense of self, right? In this interconnection, let's say, with the outside world and with our caregivers, and like always seeing if if we're safe and if we're loved. And in that process, we observe, we we hear things, we see things, we experience things, we do things, and then we get a response. And all of that will help us start building our map of the world, our own individual map of the world that tells us what is safe, who is safe, who is nice, who isn't nice, what to do to be safe, what not to do to be safe. And our sense of self-worth will become compromised when, when things happen to us that we, in our childlike view of the world, can't explain in, in any other way, but that it must mean that there's something wrong with us. Something happens, or we learn something, we hear something, we see something, we do something, and something happens as a response. And we don't quite understand what happened. And so our brain, the only way our brain is able to explain it is, okay, it must have been because of me. I must have done something wrong. There must be something wrong with me. Any type of version of that, right? And I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of things that can lead to a child developing that kind of perception. And it, it doesn't mean that it will always happen. It doesn't mean that if one of these things will happen, 
the natural consequence will be that the child develops this belief. But it's it's kind of safe to say that if a lot of these things happen or if these things happen over and over and over again, that there's a high chance that the child probably will eventually start questioning itself and its worth. And it's like if, if there's something wrong with it. And so, for example, this can be if the parents don't give us the attention that we need or they punish us or they scold us, you know, these kinds of things where we're like, okay, my mom is not giving me attention. That that must mean she doesn't love me. And that must mean that there's something wrong with me. Or when our parents are not, don't seem to be excited to have us around or they don't seem to be okay with what we did. Or they ha- they seem to have a negative reaction to our feelings. That's also a big one, you know, when children cry and then parents don't really want to deal with it and it's annoying. And then maybe they rationalize it away and they say, oh, you don't have to be scared or, you know, be strong or whatever, this kind of thing. Because what we often do is like we, we often treat children like small adults, but we don't understand that they they don't see and understand the world the way that we do. So they they can't make sense of our behavior towards them in the same way. So so all they know is that they feel pain or they feel scared and they can't question their caregivers. They can't question their parents because that is all they know. And also, of course, that will be a huge catastrophe because they're dependent on the parents. And if the parents didn't know what they're doing, then that in and of itself would be a huge threat. So as a, as a result, they start questioning themselves. And depending on the exact behavior of the parents and the and how often that happens and how intense that happens that that the behavior is and also of course depending on the child's nervous system and how sensitive they are, this can range from thinking we need to do something in order to be loved, like the typical perfectionist that needs to always get everything right, to perceiving being our true selves in and of itself as a as a threat. And that often happens when when parents act out like either verbally or physically. As I said, it's important to consider or like to still keep in mind that all of this depends on the perception of the child. So it doesn't matter how the parent actually meant it. Like it doesn't matter if the parent meant to be verbally or physically abusive or if they meant to scare the child. The only thing that matters is how the child perceived it, right? When these things happen... And and if they happen on a regular basis or the experience that we have come with a lot of really strong emotions, then we will start building the belief, for example, I'm not good enough or I don't deserve love or there's something wrong with me, you know, all of these kinds of things. And there are a billion different varieties of, of what these the core beliefs are, but they're always going in the same realm of like, yeah, not not good enough, something wrong with me, this kind of thing. On the one hand, these beliefs are an explanation of what's happening, of why my parent isn't giving me attention or why they're yelling at me. On the other hand, usually believing the belief is also a sort of protection mechanism. I said this at the beginning of the episode and I said I was going to explain a little more how how that makes sense why it why it would be safer to believe that I'm not good enough and I thought about about a couple of examples here so for example telling yourself that you're worthless 
can have the function of either trying harder. So you, you think you're worthless. So you're like, okay, I'm going to try extra hard to make up for that. Or it can lead to not trying at all. And either way, you will not risk disappointing someone because you're either trying extra hard or you don't do it at all. And that way you can't fail, right? And in both in both cases, you will not risk disappointing someone. And as a result, you won't feel the pain of, for example, seeing the disappointment in your dad's face, which could be the underlying root of that, that you used to see the disappointment in your dad's face and you used to feel like he doesn't love you. And now you're so scared of that. And none of this is conscious, right? So we're not consciously walking through the world like, oh, I'm so scared of disappointing my dad. Some people are aware of it, but a lot of them are not. It just can be that you you just noticing that you feel like you're worthless. You're telling yourself over, over and over again, you're worthless. And you're just like walking through the world with, the, with this lens on your on your eyes that filters everything for to confirm this belief that you're worthless. Because your nervous system actually believes that it's safer to feel like you're worthless. Feels like shit, yeah, but it's not as bad as the original pain of seeing the disappointment in your dad's face. And you need to consider, listening to this, you need to consider that we're talking about the perception of the child, right? We're not talking about your perception as an adult that maybe thinks, my God, how bad is it? Yeah, then dad's disappointed, doesn't matter. But for the child, this is actually really 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 important for survival this is why i talked at the beginning about how the child comes into the world completely helpless and depends on the parent's love for survival so this is why this is such an extreme extreme pain and such an extreme problem for the child right to see the dad being disappointed and then another example would be that if i believe there's something wrong with me and I feel shame around someone finding out who I really am, for example, I may never actually show the real me to anyone. And then I won't risk being attacked or rejected like I used to. Some people actually build complete fake personalities around this, uh, around this shame of like on this fear of being, of actually being seen for who they are. So then they will also think, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. They will have this feeling of low self-worth and and they will try and make sure that nobody sees that. And there is, of course, a variety of ways to make sure that nobody sees that, like fake personalities. But you can also just stay at home and not not go anywhere because you so you're so sure that nobody will like you. And as I'm saying, keep in mind this is all super complex, and I'm trying to break it down into more simple language. But I'm I think it's it's really difficult to to do this also in in like a general way because. Every single person's story will be so different. And there will be commonalities, but every single person's story is very individual. Now I've been talking a lot about the parents and the caregivers and how that affects self-worth. But of course, it's not just that, right? I mean, we grow up, we become older, we start hanging out with other people, we, we start going to school, we start having friends. So Usually when somebody has really low self-worth, I find myself and in others that the seed has already been planted somewhere in the in the core relationships with the parents. But experiences that we make with other we have with others in school, for example, or with other important people in our lives, like for example, extended family, teachers, friends, like peer friends, you know especially in older children and teenagers, these these have also a huge effect on our self-worth, especially things like 
being bullied in school I extreme like huge effect on on our sense of self-worth or maybe our friends maybe we have a friend and they choose another friend another person over us and then they suddenly don't want to be friends with us anymore or we're being isolated you know nobody we, had, we don't have any friends at all these kinds of things are also super important when it comes to self-worth because now we're growing up and we're trying to fit into a peer environment and we try to become a part of the of the group because yes as a baby humans are super dependent on the caregiver and we are really focused on that relationship but as a as an animal let's say like as our nature as an animalistic nature of humans as a group we are group animals and we want to belong to the group and we want to find our place in the in the in the community because that later in adult life is really important right so once we grow older the importance of these relationships actually becomes becomes also really really high and so if things like that happen like where we are we find ourselves being rejected by a whole group this is actually my personal story like i i got really i got bullied really bad in school and it wasn't just a couple of people who, who were constantly being mean to me which in and of itself is already enough to to make somebody start questioning if there's something wrong with them because they see that this group of people that they go after them and they don't go after others so it must be them right it must be something must be wrong with them right but for me it was actually that i was being isolated from the whole from the whole class and so i was this outsider person as a result of the bullying somehow and of course you you can see that i don't belong to this group like nobody likes me or that people are weird to me and they're telling stories about me so obviously the brain will interpret that as there's something wrong with me because what else could it be right it's not happening to the other ones so these kinds of things also really leave an impact in in our nervous system and again it's it's about not being safe because we don't want to be alone out in the wild we don't we want to be part of that group we want to be belong we want to we want to be accepted and then another thing that i forgot to say when i talked about the 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 early childhood and like the caregivers of course if i see my parents fighting or they get divorced and i somehow perceive that to be about me because i don't understand why it's happening and i think maybe i did something wrong or maybe i could have prevented it or maybe the i see them fighting about me right then again it could be it could lead to a lot of feelings of like okay maybe there's something wrong with me because my parents are mad because of me or they don't like each other anymore like my mom left because of me anything can be get twisted up in a in a child's brain if if there's no proper tending to to its needs and it's not noticed okay the child is in emotional distress and it and it's confused and it doesn't understand what's going on and somebody's there to help it out of that and to like regulate and explain that situation in a way that the child can calm down and be like okay it's all good anything like that can leave an imprint in a child's nervous system and then as a result will create some sort of story and often the story will be about the child and why the child why it happened that it's the child's fault so now we've talked about our core family how that affects and our friends and our social circle and so on but one other thing that I also wanted to mention in terms of like how it comes, how a person can develop a low sense of self-worth is of course that we are always exposed to the laws of the world at large, let's say. And we absorb them through osmosis. Like it's, we live in this environment. We live in a world where we learn from a very young age how a good woman 
or a good man should look. We learn that only people who produce and deliver are worthy, for example, that they have careers and they make money and that they're seen as amazing. For example, like I'm just giving you a couple of examples of things that we learn. We just observe these things. You know, we see people doing things. We we see how they react to certain things. We hear the, the stuff that they either say to us or they say to others. And we come to our own conclusions. And depending on our environment, of course, we learn different stories that everybody has a different story about the world. But what always happens is that we then will naturally compare ourselves and apply these stories to us, to ourselves. And if we then, of course, notice, okay, maybe I don't look like the perfect woman uh, or these women in the magazine, um, or I, um, I'm, not, I'm not having good grades, but apparently this is something that we need to have in order to be successful in life, then of course that will also start make us question ourselves. And especially if we already have an existing doubt about our worth, like let's say we already think that maybe there's something wrong with us because our parents used to yell at us a lot and we didn't understand why. Now we have already this, we already carry this feeling like there's something wrong with us. So we already built this belief. So we go out in the world and we see, I'm not, I don't look like a woman should look. Okay, cool. So obviously that makes sense because I'm not good enough. So then I'm just going to use that in addition to strengthen that belief and to support it and to show that it's actually true. So then that becomes part of the story. And when we then later look at the story, we may end up there first, for example. And we we may not realize that there's actually a, a deeper reason or a deeper cause of why we feel that way. Unfortunately, everything that I just told you about all the things that we learn when we grow up and all these things that can happen to make a person question their worth are actually the norm. So most people have some version of this. It's just because of the way we live and the way we are brought up. It's all far from being perfect and far from being what we actually need to to be okay in, in terms of our nervous system. Yeah, then most people are somewhere on this scale of not feeling worthy. And even in the best families, the emotional needs of children are often not fulfilled. This is what I meant when I said before that it depends on the on the perception of the child and doesn't matter how the parent actually meant it. Because a lot of people also follow parenting advice that is outdated and that when, when the book was written, that's what people believe. But then now we're slowly finding out that that's actually not good for a child. But yeah, the, the damage has been done and nobody actually meant harm, right? So this is super important to understand. Yeah, and so most of us have this. It's part of us that feels in some shape or form that we're not worthy. And it's important to to also make this conscious that it's not that you have low self-worth, right? There's a part of you that tells the story that you do. And that is the part that carries the original pain. And that's the part that created the story around it. Yeah, and so why did I talk about all of this? Why did I now talk about how a low self-worth even develops? Well, it's because, as I said, I think I said this at the beginning, that in order to find true self-worth, to actually solve this problem deep down, we need to understand our individual story that led to us feeling that way. And we need to start undoing the web of beliefs and feelings that got created around it. So in order to feel more worthy, we actually need to first understand how our feeling of not being worthy came into existence. 
And we have to understand the function of why we are telling ourselves that we are not worthy. We need to understand and metabolize the survival reactions underneath. So that's all that needs to happen, right? So, you know, as I said, I cannot give you like three steps to more self-worth. But I want you to get a real solution to this in the long run. And so here are a couple of things that you can do or that you can start doing to start uncovering this, let's say. And then, of course, later also start to heal it. But the first thing is we really need to find out what's going on here. So what you can do is when you are in a situation where you feel very low self-worth or like there's something happened and you and this feeling comes up again watch what's coming up somatically like really watch how your body feels see where this feeling of low self-worth sits and then first try and embrace that and i know this may sound really counterintuitive and you might think why would i embrace that i want it gone but this is why I told you the whole story of how this comes into existence, because I want you to understand that there's a, a child part inside of you that got this message somehow. And that felt a lot of pain and a lot of fear. And I don't know what, depending on what it is, it felt something really, really bad. And it's it just didn't know any any other way to explain this. And it, it felt like believing that you're not worthy is the better the better way. So we got to embrace that and we got to we got to learn to love that part of us that built this low self-worth belief, right? And then what you can do is you can connect with that by placing a hand on the area where you feel it, for example. So let's say it might be in your stomach. So let's just place a hand on that area. Find some compassion and accept this part of you unconditionally and just just tell it, "Hey, I see you." And it's okay that you're here. And it's so important because only when it feels like you accept it and you're okay with being here, only then will it talk to you and only then will you have a chance of actually getting to the bottom of this. And then what you can do is you can observe your thoughts when you feel that way. And you can journal. You can write down everything that it tells you. And you can start looking for patterns. So all of this is meant to to get you to to finding the story, you know, the the reason for why you feel that way. And once you know what your particular story is, or your stories are, it's possible that you have several, most of the time we have several, then you will automatically start questioning these beliefs from your adult perspective. Because you you don't have a child's view in the world anymore. And it's possible that once you see why you feel like you're not worthy, that from your adult perspective, you're going to be like, oh my God, that's that's so not true. Of course I'm worthy, you know? And then you will also know what that part of you needed, what it originally needed. Like once you know what the story is and what happened to you or to that part of you, like what happened to you in, and that actually made this part of you to start existing, then you will know what you may have needed in this moment. And you can actually start giving yourself that. But as I said, everything comes down to finding your individual story of why you feel like you're not worthy and here are some questions that you can ask yourself when you start exploring this a little bit when you start connecting with this part of you and you start finding the compassion you start writing down your thoughts working with this you can ask yourself who does this remind me of 
when or in what situation have I felt this before? How old is the sensation? What is the story that it tells? What does this part of me think would happen if I stopped believing that? So start with that. And if you want to share with me what you find, I'm super curious to hear how this goes for you. And of course, if you want my help with this, if you would like to go deeper or you're stuck somewhere, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to guide you through it. Yeah, and I know this probably wasn't the straightforward three-step guide you may have hoped for, or maybe you didn't, I don't know. That guide that will tell you exactly what to do to feel more confident. But as I said, like I don't think we need another one of these. I think there's enough other people doing that. And what I showed you today is a way of really getting to the root of the issue and transforming it from deep down instead of just managing the symptoms. It's not the easy or the quick road, but it's one that will lead to lasting change where you will naturally feel different and you don't have to constantly remind yourself of doing the three steps or, you know, practicing that over and over again in order to feel worthy. So I really hope that you liked this episode and that this was useful. And if you did, please leave me a rating, leave me leave me a, a review on, on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or send me your feedback by email. I'm always curious to, help, to hear from you. And yeah, as I said, next time I'm going to talk about the the second part that was asked in this email which is about the feeling safe and secure and i hope that you're going to be here for that next episode thanks for listening and bye bye